Chapter Twenty Three of Quicksand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Quicksand by Nella Larson. Chapter Twenty Three. After the first exciting months, Helga was too driven, too occupied, and too sick to carry out any of the things for which she had made such enthusiastic plans, or even to care that she had made only slight progress toward their accomplishment. For she, who had never thought of her body, save as something on which to hang lovely fabrics, had now constantly to think of it. It had persistently to be pampered to secure from it even a little service. Always she felt extraordinarily and annoyingly ill, having forever to be sinking into chairs. Or if she was out, to be pausing by the roadside, clinging desperately to some convenient fence or tree, waiting for the horrible nausea and hateful faintness to pass. The light, carefree days of the past, when she had not felt heavy and reluctant or weak and spent, receded more and more with increasing vagueness, like a dream passing from a faulty memory. The children used her up. There were already three of them, all born within the short space of twenty months. Two great healthy twin boys, whose lovely bodies were to Helga like rare figures carved out of amber, and in whose sleepy and mysterious black eyes all that was puzzling, evasive, and aloof in life seemed to find expression. No matter how often or how long she looked at these two small sons of hers, never did she lose a certain delicious feeling in which were mingled pride, tenderness, and exaltation. And there was a girl, sweet, delicate, and flower-like not so healthy or so loved as the boys, but still miraculously her own proud and cherished possession. So there was no time for the pursuit of beauty, or for the uplifting of other harassed and teeming women, or for the instruction of their neglected children. Her husband was still, as he always had been, deferentially kind and incredulously proud of her, and verbally encouraging. Helga tried not to see that he had rather lost any personal interest in her, except for the short spaces between the times when she was preparing for or recovering from childbirth. She shut her eyes to the fact that his encouragement had become a little platitudinous, limited mostly to, "'The Lord will look out for you. We must accept what God sends,' or, "'My mother had nine children and was thankful for every one.' If she was inclined to wonder a little just how they were to manage with another child on the way, he would point out to her that her doubt and uncertainty were a stupendous ingratitude. Had not the good God saved her soul from hell-fire and eternal damnation? Had he not in his great kindness given her three small lives to raise up for his glory? Had he not showered her with numerous other mercies, evidently too numerous to be named separately? "'You must!' the Reverend Mr. Pleasant Green would say unctuously, "'Trust the Lord more fully, Helga.' This pabulum did not irritate her. Perhaps it was the fact that the preacher was, now, not so much at home, that even lent to it a measure of real comfort. For the adoring women of his flock, noting how with increasing frequency their pastor's house went unswept and undusted, his children unwashed, and his wife untidy, took pleasant pity on him and invited him often to tasty orderly meals, prepared specially for him, in their own clean houses. 
Helga looking about in helpless dismay and sick disgust at the disorder around her, the permanent assembly of partly emptied medicine bottles on the clock-shelf, the perpetual array of drying baby-clothes on the chair-backs, the constant debris of broken toys on the floor, the unceasing litter of half-dead flowers on the table, dragged in by the toddling twins from the forlorn garden, failed to blame him for the thoughtless selfishness of these absences. And she was thankful whenever possible to be relieved from the ordeal of cooking. There were times when, having had to retreat from the kitchen in lumbering haste with her sensitive nose gripped between tightly squeezing fingers, she had been sure that the greatest kindness that God could ever show to her would be to free her forever from the sight and smell of food. How, she wondered, did other women, other mothers, manage? Could it be possible that, while presenting such smiling and contented faces, they were all always on the edge of health, always worn out and apprehensive? Or was it only she, a poor, weak, city-bred thing, who felt that the strain of what the Reverend Mr. Pleasant Green had so often gently and patiently reminded her was a natural thing, an act of God, was almost unendurable? One day on her round of visiting—a church duty to be done no matter how miserable one was—she summoned up sufficient boldness to ask several women how they felt, how they managed. The answers were a resigned shrug or an amused snort, or an upward rolling of eyeballs with a mention of the Lord looking after us all. "'Tain't nothin', nothin' at all, child," said one, Sary Jones, who, as Helga knew, had had six children in about as many years. "'Y'all takes it too hard. Just remember it's natural for a woman to have chillins, and don't fret so.' "'But,' protested Helga, "'I'm always so tired and half-sick that can't be natural. Laws, child, we's all tied, and I reckons we's all gwine to be tied till kingdom come. Just make the best of it, honey. Just make the best you can." Helga sighed, turning her nose away from the steaming coffee which her hostess had placed for her, and against which her squeamish stomach was about to revolt. At the moment the compensations of immortality seemed very shadowy and very far away. "'Just remember,' Sari went on, staring sternly into Helga's thin face, "'we all get so a rest by and by. In the next world we's all recompense. Just put your trust in the Saviour.' Looking at the confident face of the little bronze figure on the opposite side of the immaculately spread table, Helga had a sensation of shame that she should be less than content. Why couldn't she be as trusting, and as certain that her troubles would not overwhelm her as Sary Jones was? Sary, who in all likelihood had toiled every day of her life since early childhood, except on those days, totalling perhaps sixty, following the birth of her six children, and who, by dint of superhuman saving, had somehow succeeded in feeding and clothing them and sending them all to school. Before her Helga felt humbled and oppressed by the sense of her own unworthiness and lack of sufficient faith. "'Thanks, Sari,' she said, rising in retreat from the coffee. "'You've done me a world of good. I'm really going to try to be more patient.' So, though with growing yearning she longed for the great ordinary things of life—hunger, sleep, freedom from pain—she resigned herself to the doing without them. The possibility of alleviating her burdens by a greater faith became lodged in her mind. She gave herself up to it. It did help. And the beauty of leaning on the wisdom of God, of trusting, 
gave to her a queer sort of satisfaction. Faith was really quite easy. One had only to yield, to ask no questions. The more weary, the more weak she became, the easier it was. Her religion was to her a kind of protective colouring, shielding her from the cruel light of an unbearable reality. This utter yielding in faith to what had been sent her found her favour too in the eyes of her neighbours. Her husband's flock began to approve and commend this submission and humility to a superior wisdom. The womenfolk spoke more kindly and more affectionately of the preacher's northern wife. "'Poor Miss Green, with all them small chillins at once. She sure do hab it hard, and she don't never complains and frets no more. Just trust in the Lord like the good book say. Mighty sweet little woman, too.' Halga didn't bother much about the preparations for the coming child. Actually and metaphorically she bowed her head before God, trusting in Him to see her through. Secretly she was glad that she had not to worry about herself or anything. It was a relief to be able to put the entire responsibility on someone else. End of chapter 23